I respectfully disagree podcast. It's been a minute. Been about a good solid week and a half, maybe two weeks, I think, since I put something out. But uh, this one has, has been in the makings. So I want to yes, welcome want to welcome Jared back to the podcast, man. You you pulled up on me. It's been a minute ago, but uh, you actually pulled up at the house and, and we chopped it up. Uh-huh. And this one was almost by request. He's like, bro, I got to get on the podcast. <laughs> man, we have been needing to make this happen for a minute, man. Most definitely. So uh, welcome back. Yes, and sir. I see y'all boys been going hard in the paint over with, with the Epic podcast. We've been trying to, man, trying to. Keep yes, grinding, man. Keep grinding. Man, that's all that's to it. We still doing it for the love of it. So, And know, honestly, man, that, that's that's what it's about, bro, because I, I right. see a lot of podcasts and stuff, and I get it. At the end of the day, you know, you want it to be entertaining. You want it, you know, right. people to tune in. But I feel like a lot of these podcasts now are too gimmicky, man. People are trying yeah, to play man. characters, bro. And Yeah, for sure. It's like, don't get me wrong. I want the views and stuff, too, but it's like I'm not willing to – step outside of who I really am to chase some likes and all that. So keep grinding, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Shout out to my guys too. I don't know. They'll they'll probably tap in once, you know what I'm saying? This is dropped. So yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So you said you wanted in on the podcast. Me and you've been, been going back and forth on social media in regards to different topics and things like that. And I tell people all the time, it's like, Typing on social media, oftentimes it can get misunderstood and it may look like people are going back and forth arguing and things like that. And that was never my intentions. Oh, for sure. So today we're going to chop it up real quick about Haslam having his jersey retired in Miami. I saw first where Paul Pierce was saying that, you know what I'm saying, that was pretty much given to him. He didn't do nothing to necessarily earn it. And I saw the internet going back and forth. So that's what prompted my status. Because I'm like, dog, people are really debating whether or not a guy that played 20 years for one franchise deserved those honors. And then that's when you gave your perspective. And me and you went on for about a day or two going back and forth. So briefly, man, let, let's let's touch on that. Plus, I owe y'all because, man, on, on y'all's show, I heard y'all say, man, what, 15,000 claps? Bro. <laughs> <laughs> y'all took me out with that one. I was like, man, they so disrespectful, man. But, nah, good good stuff. Let's let's hear it, man. The floor is yeah, yours. Yeah, so basically, man, my, my viewpoint is I feel like retired jerseys are for what people do on the, on the floor. On okay. floor contributions to an organization, period. Because I, I feel like if you add in too many different variables, then everybody deserves a retired jersey. Everybody has done something, went back, you know, bent, bent over backwards for an organization at some point in some way, shape, or form. So it's just like I'm used to seeing, you know, Hall of Fame candidates with retired jerseys. So I, I, mm-hmm. During that conversation, I looked up, I'm like, man, let me see how many retired jerseys. Uh, well, guys that have retired jerseys that aren't in the Hall of Fame. It's actually quite a number, but those guys are still kind of, if they're not in the Hall of Fame, they're kind of like, you know, I can see how they could get some votes or two. We all know that Haslam isn't going to get a half or 25% of one vote for the Hall of Fame. We, we all know that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of just like, I like when I when I, when I I make comments and when I make my opinions, I, I try to take everything into consideration with saying, mm-hmm. all right, so what are my criteria for having a retired jersey from what i think 
Because that's yeah. honestly, like when we were going back and forth, it's like I wasn't throwing your opinion out because I respect your opinion. I think, you know, we both know that, you know what I'm saying, the respect level is there. Right. So I respect your opinion, but I'm just like, well, in my opinion, I feel like retired jerseys are for stats, statistics. What have mm-hmm. you like done as far as, you know, the NBA? What have you, how have you pushed the NBA forward? How you compare against your peers and compare against your peers? And I, I just feel like Udonis has them, just doesn't have that. That's just my personal opinion. But, you know, with the Miami Heat having so many people's, you know, numbers retired, guys that didn't even play for the team, I guess it kind of fits along <laughs> in that narrative. But that's just my outlook on it. When I see, when I say retired jerseys, when I see retired jerseys, I'm like, oh, he was a dog on the court. Udonis yeah. Haslam just wasn't that. So that's that's Ooh. where that came I got to push it, man. <laughs> I was waiting on it. And the only reason why I push it is when you say he wasn't a dog on the court. And it's like, honestly, I think so many years have gone by to where people tend to forget because it's like, okay, in 03, that's when I'm graduating high school. So I've seen Haslam's whole career play out. And you got to think. And I'm looking at it in terms of like, bro, this is the hometown Miami. He's born and raised, went to Florida. He came in undrafted. And he worked, I'm talking about boots on the ground, hard hat, and earned everything that he got playing for that organization all the way to the point to where he was most definitely a contributing factor in their first championship. He was a starter then. Like, you look up Haslam, and that's that toughness that the Miami Heat culture, you can't have that without him. And when people was talking about how many years he sat on the bench towards the end of the career, I'm like, people are looking at it in terms of, like you were saying, contribution on the court. But I'm saying that, bro, that shows you how valuable he was to that team. And I think that's what people tend to forget. It's like basketball is deeper than everything on the court. The voice in the locker room, the voice in the locker room matters. And that's why I feel like the entire league has gone away from having vets and things like that. And that shows you how valuable Miami viewed him because they was willing to keep him on the roster that long, even though they wasn't asking him to go out and produce. And the icing on the cake for me is like, he's literally the franchise leading rebounder. If you look up Miami's stats. in like 88, bro. So but you like said stats, though. Back to the 60s. You said stats. But, I, but, I, but I, I also gave you a counter to that. Dell Davis, I think it's Dell Davis. I, I have to look it up. But the uh, Pacers all-time leading rebounder. Does his jersey need to be retired? He deserves recognition for what he done in that uniform based on the, the organization. Jersey, I mean, and that's cool. But I just, I kind of relate uh, retired jerseys. To Hall of Fame. That's just what, and, or and, at least All Star appearances. Can I get a one <laughs> All Star appearance out of a retired jersey? One. And, and I, I, I don't feel like that's too like. And no, I think no, that's no, no, no All NBAs, no uh, no All Star appearances. Um, come on, I mean, come on, dog. But like, I think that's where we're separating the the type of recognition, and I I, I understand what you're saying. Right. That's the honors from what he's done for the entire league. This is a representation for what he done for just the Miami Heat. You don't have right. three championships, in my opinion, without some influence from Udonis Haslam, whether it's I production on the court I mean, or in the locker room. 
And when you sit back and you listen to their podcasts or you watch different documentaries and stuff, people say that it's mentioned. It's, it's well known that Haslam is a voice. He's a per. He ain't just a random. And I'm saying to others, it's like, I view it as no different than any job that you go to. I, I would hate to have dedicated 20 years of my service to a company. And then when I do walk away from it, you just treat me like I'm anybody else. To me, Man, that's they like. Gonna put, they're going to put somebody right in your cubicle, bro. And they, say, hey, this <laughs> up. They're not about to say, hey, this computer, can't nobody use this computer app, man. They're going to reissue that boy, and they're going to give it to the next person. And that's what I'm and saying. It's like, that's just what it is. from that perspective, you are absolutely correct. And that's why I'm I'm still going to hang my hat on. At the end of the day, nobody that put that jersey on had more rebounds offensively or defensively, plus combined, than that man. So I thought it Fair was enough. dope for the Miami Heat organization to honor him in that fashion, even with them honoring his parents. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of it was dope, and that shows you the class that Miami has. And I know this is kind of off topic, but I'm going to throw this curveball at you. When you think about the old school New York Knicks, most people, first name they throw out, Patrick Ewing. Some people throw out John Starks. But do you really – have that Knicks history without a Charles Oakley or Anthony Mason? Yeah, see, now, I ain't saying they need a jersey yeah. retired, but I'm, I'm saying not, that that I'm was an important high. piece. I'm they, not too high on either one of those guys. Like they don't move the needle, which is a, a, a phrase from a topic we gonna get to later on. Right? But they don't move the needle for me, man. I'm I'm sorry, and I don't think you not as has moves the needle. But you I mean, if he moved the needle at all. He wouldn't have set his last 10 years or eight or 10 years on the bench. But he wanted like, to retire, and they was like, nah, bro, we, we need you in that locker room. And that That's fair enough. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not – I think people got the wrong impression. I'm not mad mm-hmm. that he got his retired jersey. It just doesn't really align with what I thought or what I right. think deserves a retired jersey. And I get jersey. it. You so was like, if that's the case, then we going to run out of numbers. Everybody everybody going to have a jersey in the raffle. Like, and exactly, I was like, for some like, people, bro, it's like – they just leave a footprint, man. And I feel like Haslam's right. footprint is in concrete, bro. Like, you don't have Miami Heat history without him being a part of that he's piece. part of it. I, yeah, I mean, you can't you, you can't refute that. I mean, he, he's been there longer, like, what, longer than what, 66% of the years that the team has existed? So That's like, what I'm I mean, saying. I so it's like, in terms of history, his name is there. When you go to different arenas and stuff and when you walk in – they got things all around the the arena that reflects the history of that team. His right. face is going to be all throughout that arena. So I feel like him hanging that jersey up, is, it's got to be there. But That's real quick, go ahead, go ahead, my I, I, bad. I'm, I'm messing with that. But it's like you, you hear people always talk about the 90s and the toughness and things like that, and it was like, I mentioned Charles Oakley and them because they were the enforcers for the Knicks. And that's how I view Haslam. Like, he ain't the 15 and 10 guy that most people look at in today's game. But from 03 to when they finally told him he can go sit down, he was an enforcer for that team. But let me ask you this, though. Is Charles Oakley jersey retired in New York City? No. No. Do you think he should be? No. He wasn't there long enough. 
Okay. Oakley was All in right. Chicago. He bounced around. That's what I'm saying. That 20 years plays a part too. Yeah, I feel that. That so, is a long. That is a long time. That's a very with. long time. Man. Yeah, but but also then I go back to looking at the numbers. Yeah, he was there for twenty years, but he scored six thousand points in twenty years. So it's just kind of like, bruh, like I don't know, like what happened behind the scenes, so why you remained on this. Maybe it was that they just cared so much about his influence, like because I listen to his podcast. I, I don't mm. hate you, Donis Haslam. Like yeah. I love what he's doing with Mike Miller. I listen to it. You know, what I'm saying every episode. So it's like. I mess with his stories. Like I like what he what he what he stands for. I like what he stands on. But it's just like if he didn't have his re- re- jersey retired, I wouldn't have threw a fit. I mean, right. Like I said. But you know what? what I and think of it. That's what I tell my kids that I coach. Like I coach elementary school kids. And right now they have this mindset that the only way they can contribute is if they score. And I right. get it, they're kids. Every kid wants to see the ball go through the basket. But I'm saying to you, diving on the floor to go after a loose ball may be the difference in whether or not we win a game. That's true. That ain't going to show up on the stat sheet. Taking a charge ain't going to show up on the stat sheet. And I'm saying that Haslam's presence, if you look at some of them teams that they had, he was that presence. He may not have had a big scoring offensive night, but in terms of toughness and setting that, Example, Haslam's that guy. Boots on the ground, hard hat. I do want to make a quick point to uh, counter what you just said. You were saying that, you know, things like taking charges and diving for loose balls don't show up on stat sheets. That's very correct. But they do show up when it comes time for all defensive teams, Mm. in which your boy has none. (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to, you know what I'm saying? It's just like I'm not trying to to bag on you, Donis Haslam. Like, I have nothing against him, but it's just like, it's just I, I'm trying to make some sense out of it. And it's like right. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you're saying, but even that is just counterproductive to what I'm I'm looking at, like charges and loose balls and, and deflections and all that stuff. You know, taken into consideration and first team all defense, second team all defense, you know, so forth and so on, as well as uh, all NBA, like all that stuff's yeah. taken into consideration, and he and he doesn't even have any of that to his presence, but. I mean, to his, you know, to right. attach him. But at the end of the day, I mean, if, you know, you're, you're saying that it's more about what he's done for the organization, that can't be refuted. Uh, voice in the locker room, that can't be refuted. He was that that tough guy, that enforcer, all for it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like I said, I'm not mad that his, his jersey's retired, but, you know, just a conversation piece. I, I personally wouldn't have done it, but, hey. And then I'm the icing on the cake is like, as many household names have come through that organization, bro, he was in the starting five. He was yeah, a very right. important piece. So we ain't talking about a guy that's like the sixth or the seventh man off the bench and you're just rewarding him for hustle and effort. Like Two words, Mario Chalmers. He ain't getting no jersey up. No. I know he's not. Not at all. I, I know he's not, but he was a starter on those teams too. And that's what I'm saying. I'm glad you said that because I think that's where you separate the two. If you told me right now that Mario Chalmers left the Miami Heat and he's the all-time leader in assists or he's the all-time leader in three-pointers or something like that, then I Mm -hmm. feel like the Heat organization would have to honor him for his work while he had that jersey on. And I think that's the part that gets misunderstood in terms of why I put Haslam in that conversation. But good stuff. Fair. That's fair. Good stuff. So you said moving the needle. Great transition, man. Uh, 
Shannon Sharp Nim shook up the world again this week. And I, I think that's the perfect example, in my opinion, of how people only take bits and pieces of conversations and run wild with it. Yep. And Shannon Sharp is right now, he's at that peak, bro. Like, he's in the prime of his... Uh, podcasting, uh, TV presence, and things like that. So he's getting all his flowers. And this one right here might have rubbed some people the wrong way in terms of his comments about Taylor Swift and Beyonce. So how do you feel about that? Man, what like? and that's another podcast. I listen to every episode. All two hours, 30 minutes, two hours, 45 minutes of them going back and forth. I listen to every single minute of every single episode. And I actually heard the conversation live. And... Of course, when it, when I, when I first heard it, I didn't want to believe it for obvious. I didn't. I wasn't rolling with it initially for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. he was absolutely correct. Um, yeah. What he was saying was, is that Taylor Swift doesn't move the needle for the NFL how Beyonce would for the NFL, and it's absolutely correct. And it's not any. It's not a knock on Beyonce. It's right. just the fact that Taylor Swift fan base is a lot more influential because yeah. we both know that. Beyonce fans, say our wives are Beyonce fans. My, my, my wife doesn't particularly care one way or the other. But she's not going to watch a football game because of Beyonce, how Taylor Swift fans are watching football because of Taylor Swift. Right. Also, Taylor Swift has a huge, um, you know, fan base, like as far as um, age range. Like yeah. Shake It Off song, you would hear that in a, in a preschool room, you know, and the kids going crazy dancing to Shake It Off. Facts. This is not the same for Beyonce. So... I think people took it as if oh, Shannon Sharp's just dogging a black woman, which that's not what happened. He's speaking all facts, and there's nothing that irritates me more than someone who can't uh, or, or refuses to be receptive to pure facts. He gave pure facts, and that's it. Yeah. Another thing to, to top that off is if the NFL was ran by people that look like us, that might be a little different. But for them... Of course it moves the needle more than Beyonce. Exactly. I, don't, I don't understand what the problem was. And I just saw the social media posts. People were in outrage trying to call uh, Shannon Sharp or Uncle Tom when all he was doing was spitting absolute facts. Exactly. And I've, I've made several references on uh, previous podcast episodes, even when uh, Shannon Sharp was on Undisputed, in terms right. of people reference him as an Uncle Tom and things like that when he talks about sports. I'm like, bro, that's his job to critique whether it's good or bad. And I feel like that's one of our issues overall is that we only see things black and white. It didn't matter what Shannon Sharp said. As soon as he said Beyonce and it doesn't move the needle like a Taylor Swift, people instantly turn their ears off and you only heard that one part. So you're going to attack him for that. And I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you just said. And I feel like in my opinion, the part that people don't even take in consideration just slightly that you can use as a measuring stick is at one point Jay-Z was part owner of the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Him and Beyonce was courtside for those games. Her Great face point. was there. And Nobody, was not tearing up that's NBA what I'm saying. ratings. Nobody Great cared point. on top Nobody of the fact, cared. guess what? This He's in team. charge of the Super Bowl entertainment. He's been in charge of the Super Bowl entertainment. So it's like the NFL had an opportunity to use that as a chance to move the needle. And I feel like they did somewhat, 
because they changed and moved away from that whole taking a knee and things like that. I feel like, in my opinion, that was part of their plan anyway. Let's try to bring in right. Jay-Z, do this and do that, change the narrative about the NBA because a lot of people, especially African-Americans, was like, I'm done with the NFL. Right. So you you make that move, and some of that conversation kind of died down, and it slowly went away. But it's like, okay, that's her husband. They're the they're the face of all of this. They had the opportunity to move the needle, in which they have in terms of halftime performances and things like that for right. the Super Bowl. But Beyonce was courtside watching NBA, and the only time you yeah. really saw them was when LeBron, you know, LeBron came to Brooklyn or something right. like that. And it's like, like you right. said. You didn't hear nothing about no kids tuning in because they wanted to see a glimpse of Beyonce sitting on the sidelines. Exactly. That's 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 a that's a perfect 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 example of of what we're talking about. And it's just like and, and it's like I said, this isn't a knock at Beyonce fans because kudos to you for not tapping into something that you don't like just because of her presence. Right. LeBron is our guy. If LeBron and Savannah start going to pickleball competitions because Savannah's in the pickleball. I'm not watching that shit. Like, I'm not. I'm not tuning in to pickleball just because LeBron is going to pickleball games. Like so. Right. So, so shout out to Beyonce's fans for not having that same kind of Taylor Swift effect that Taylor Swift fans have because I think it's ridiculous to like have your own set of individuality. Like, why are yeah. you watching something just because somebody you like is at the game? There's no way. I'm not exactly. tuning into. And I love baseball. I'm not tuning into a baseball game because LeBron's in the stands. There's Thanks. no way, no Thanks. way. Like that, that's the most uh, like idiotic thing in the world to me. Like there's no way I'm doing that. So exactly. And then that's the part, like I said, I, I just feel like sometimes I, I wish we would understand what's being said before we react. Everything exactly. can't be off of emotions. Exactly. Have People don't think about stuff before they, before they, they talk. And that's why I'm actually so debated because everything that comes out of my mouth, I've thought about. Exactly. Jared is never going to say anything that I haven't already ran through. And my wife gets on me because I talk to myself a lot, but I'll be going through some of these conversations that I'm having. And it's like, that's why sometimes I might get offensive because it's just like, you're just talking, but I really thought about this. Not saying right. that I'm right, you're wrong, but mm -hmm. to try to say that, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Or, you know, just try to dismiss my opinion. It's like, I've really thought, I've really thought about this. Like I, nothing, Nothing that comes out of my mouth is not something that I thought about. One of my favorite phrases is, I ain't got all the answers. I can't remember who I first heard say that, but I say, if I don't know, I'll tell you. I don't got all the answers. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we talking about uh, baseball or free agency and who's going to do what, who's going where, or bets. I ain't got none of the answers when it comes to that. So I'll tell you that. But when I'm standing behind or standing on a topic or an opinion or something that I'm saying, I thought about it. I truly, you know what I'm saying, believe in what I'm saying. So right. that's just and something you know I live what? by. That's the perfect transition again because I'm right there with you. And I know oftentimes when I'm on social media and I'm posting things, I'm posting based off of what I'm currently looking at. That's why if that's I'm watching the Lakers game, my statuses exactly. are going to line up with everything that's yep. happening clear up until that moment. But then yep. the problem that I have is the people that wait until after the game and then come oh, back and see there, you should do this and that. And the best example was Friday, uh, the other night when the Lakers beat the Celtics. As soon yeah. as I saw LeBron and Anthony Davis was not going to suit up, I was upset oh. about that. 
Right. Me I'm too. like, bro, this is I dope. actually got that news from you. That you you gave me the news before it broke on ESPN because I think maybe like 15 minutes after I saw your status. Because I said I was like, you they can't be serious. I said something like that. Refresh my ESPN and then it was there. So yeah, bro, I, I was heated. I was heated because yeah. it's like this is prime time national yep. televised game. These are the games that people want to watch. And as a right. paying customer, bro, I done been to several games where LeBron didn't suit up. And I understand how much money was invested going to these different places. And it's like, I get it. If you're injured, cool. But something else was going on, in my opinion. We'll never get to the bottom line of why they're setting out. And that's the part yeah. where I'm like, I hate that these trade rumors and stuff have been going around for weeks. Right. If it gets closer to the trade deadline and you start hearing rumbles here and there, then it's like, cool, it's expected. But now you got dudes that's playing on pins and needles every night, afraid to mess up. And somebody made a post and was like, see there, you got to have faith. You gave up on them. And I'm like, bro, nobody in the world picked the Lakers yeah, to beat the I Celtics without LeBron and AD. Like, they've been giving up on themselves. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean – I wonder how many people lost money or what amount everybody of money we lost. lost. Everybody, nobody. And that's why I feel like the sports betting part of it, like that's a whole nother conversation, but it's like yeah. deep down as much as I, I I'm not going to say I have a problem, but I will admit that I gambled 10 or $20 here and there almost constantly. And it's like, you have to take yeah. your mind and be like, wait a minute. Boston was a 15-point favorite. Nobody was going to pick the Lakers that night. So I'm pretty right. sure Vegas hit a lick knowing that the Lakers won convincingly. It wasn't a luck game. Like, they beat them. They beat them, boys. And I'm like, man, what is going on? So that goes and they look back. good doing it. They look great. They look great. And that's why I'm saying it's like, I saw your post, and I think y'all talked about it on your show. I haven't heard all of it yet in terms of where does this put LeBron now? How do you measure that? And I saw where Rich Paul had to issue a statement and things like that, and I was like, yeah. that's the the best and the worst thing that could have happened to the Lakers, in my opinion. Yeah. Because People got to stop acting like the Lakers have zero uh, leverage in this situation. You can't trade LeBron. Like you, I don't think you can theoretically or literally. You can't trade him. He has no trade clause. I'm sure. I haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. let's let's be real. So like, at, in no way, shape, or form do they have any leverage in that situation. The only way LeBron leaves the Lakers is if he says I'm out, or okay, yeah, trade me to X, Y, and Z. That's it. You can't just trade LeBron. So when I saw the rumors, I was immediately like, that's that's a rumor that's not true because they don't have the kind of leverage to trade LeBron. Now, if the rumors was you know, as a rumor that LeBron is looking for out. Now, that would have been something. I'd have been going, hmm, I wonder. But there's rumblings that the Lakers are going to trade LeBron or LeBron is at the top of their trade list. Hey, you're right. They can't trade LeBron. <laughs> like, they have zero leverage in that. Like, So that's so, what I'm saying. Oh. And it's like going back to what you were saying. It's like, bro, I'm not just going to – I'm not one of the people where I'm just going to sit down and just type a bunch of stuff just to be mm-hmm. typing it. Like, if right. I say something, then I truly feel that way and I can explain why I felt that way. And that's why it's like, okay, I get it. It looks like I'm on an emotional roller coaster when it comes to the Lakers, but that's because the Lakers keep you on an emotional roller coaster. If you're a real fan, that's what it is. Because I'm like the same with the, I'm the same way with the Bengals. And a lot of people say, you know, 
you know, well, you need to have more faith. No, I see what I see and I'm going to comment on what I see. You know what I'm saying? Just like earlier in the season, we beat somebody. I think we beat, uh, I can't remember which game it was, but it was, it was a Seahawks game. We ended Mm -hmm. up beating the Seahawks, but we, I think after like the first two possessions, we scored like three points the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And we won. And everybody in Cincinnati is like, "Hooray, we won!" And I'm just like, "That's a that's a piss poor game, bro. You ain't gonna win too many of those." I'm a sure. realist. I'm looking at it beyond the score. And people, sure. they, even Bengals fans, oh, you're blah 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 blah, and you're this and that. I'm like, hey man, say what you want. I'm a realist. That was a terrible football game. And if we play like that going forward in season, we're gonna lose, and we're gonna lose a lot. Sure. That's all I was saying. It's I more. It's on. bigger than just the. the on a score. That's right. that's the thing about the Lakers and the Celtics. I was talking to my dad. I'm like, look, even if the Lakers lose this game, this game still says something. It does. Mm-hmm. Even if they would have let the Celtics come back at the end and win by a few points, it still makes a statement. The fact that they won is just extra. But right, the biggest LeBron fan out there, the team looked a lot better without him and AD on the floor. That's just real. That's reality. And that's what I be trying to explain to people, man. It's like I'm the biggest LeBron fan too, but I am a realist when I say. When he's not out there, the ball moves more freely. Dudes look more comfortable. And that's why I'm like, at the end of the day, they are professional athletes. They can play ball. So I don't want to hear no, oh, when they get with LeBron, they can't hoop no more. And I'm like, bro, you asking them to just stand around and then catch the ball late in the shot clock, and then they're just supposed to magically put the ball. I was like, bro, if you don't have a rhythm and get a couple of shots up to find – your shot and things like that. It's like you're always going to be on pins and needles because you're waiting and waiting. You have no idea when the ball is going to come to you. And when it does, you got to be it. Like, come on, man, you asking them to do too much. And that's where I feel like the biggest flaw in LeBron's game in 21 years is that he has never adjusted his skill set. Never. He makes everybody conform to his. Yeah, he's and never not everybody him. can do that. And like me and my brother-in-law was talking about it last night. It's just like even if they were to trade him or LeBron's like, all right, I'm open for a trade. I'm done with the L.A. experience. There's not a situation that I feel like LeBron, which I feel like he's the best player ever. That's my favorite athlete of all time. I don't see that there's a situation where he can go and, and turn that situation into, you know, a championship team with, mm-hmm. with given what they're going to have to give up to get him. There's not one situation that works. And I'm right. sorry. I mean, it, it sounds terrible. Like, I, I hate that for my guy. But at this point in his career, there's not a situation that he can go to that's going to that's gonna make or break it. It's considering what that team is going to have to give up for him, whether it's current assets or, or future draft picks. It's not going to work. I don't know exactly. where you can just plug LeBron in and the system is going to work. Because like you said, he doesn't adjust his game, which, like I said, I think he's the greatest ever. Should he have to adjust his game? I mean, that's subjective. But yes or no, we can go back and forth about that. But that's a totally different topic. But you, like you said, he's he has not ever adjusted his game, and that's just it is what it is. Right. No. Like I said, if I'm LeBron, I, I watch. I, if I'm LeBron, I watch that game, and I'm just like, all right, how can I just? Maybe it is cutting down on the points. Maybe it's cutting down on the touches. Like, let them guys hoop. Exactly. I, if if it were me, if it were me, and that's the part I don't like about the NBA right now, it's like the the stars have become so big to where I truly feel like the coaches don't have a voice. Because if the camera catches Darvin Ham telling LeBron, shut the hell up or get back on defense, oh, Darvin yeah. Ham's job is on the line. 
The yeah, next day, sure. I guarantee, and I was like, at the end of the day, it's still basketball, bro. Like, the player should not be bigger than the coach. If Darvin Ham yeah. says, this is what I want ran, then LeBron and AD shouldn't be out on the court saying, nah, we're going to do this because I've seen it happen. There's certain, there certain coaches that do live by that code, none of which LeBron has ever had. People rant and rave about Eric Spolstra. Bro, I watched all them games, dog. Mm-hmm. He wasn't telling mm-hmm. LeBron to shut the fuck up and get back on defense. Like, it was over. Like, I, I've never seen it. He's never had that coach that's it's my way or the highway. And it's just like, maybe that's something he needs. But if he's never yeah. had that coach, he's not going to adjust his game. And that's what we've exactly. seen. Exactly. So, where do you think we heading into all-star break two weeks away? I really feel bad for D'Lo, man. Like, I honestly don't think he's playing bad for the Lakers. He's had a nice little stretch, but it's like he's on eggshells. And his yeah. decision make decision making is questionable. Some of his shots and stuff, it pisses me off. Or it'll be yeah. times where they're pushing a break, and for whatever reason, he hangs on to the ball. But I'm like, yeah. overall – what do you think you're going to get in return if you give him up? And see, that's my thing. It's like I don't think the Lakers issues is a personnel thing. I think it's an effort thing. I mm-hmm. think it's a weighted, a team basketball situation. Yeah. They can win with that team that they have. It's just they don't play the right brand of basketball. It's just like LeBron doesn't play defense. Uh, they don't switch properly. I watched the I watched the play against the the Rockets where um, where uh, Austin Reeves and and uh, Prince's mans were switching. Prince literally looked at the switch, but he, like, glitched. And just by the time he started guarding the man, he was to the hoop. And instead of LeBron cutting it off and turning Prince, you know, taking his guy out to the corner, LeBron just let him go by and he just made a layup. And it's just like, yeah. I understand that you're older and, you you know, you probably don't want to contest a lot of shots at the basket, risking, you know, your ankle injuries. I get all that. But, I mean, if you can't give 100% on the defense end, it might be time. And yeah. it, it, that's not a bad thing. You, 21 years, but it might be time if you can't give everything on the defensive end. And that's something LeBron is just not doing. And that's why I'm I said gonna... the other other night when I made my post, I was like, if I was Darvin Ham, play him in spurts. Because yeah. the ball was moving the other night, and Boston really yeah. didn't have an answer for it. And yeah, everybody right. was smiling. I was like, bro, I tell the kids that I coach all the time, I was like, bro, energy is contagious. It if is. y'all are frowning and sad, for you know what, everybody on the team is going to be that way. Doing this every time and dropping your shoulders. And LeBron is doing a ton of that. And He's it's like, well, you know it, everybody on the team's complaining. Everybody on the team ain't rotating and this and that. And it's like, give me spurts of LeBron. I know yeah. if, if we can take 20 to 25 minutes of high-level LeBron, come in and give us 28 and 8, it will be impactful versus LeBron playing 38 minutes, 39 minutes, and mm-hmm. we're scratching and clawing just to try to keep and stay in the game where we're playing from behind. And I right. tell people all the time, bro, as much basketball that I've consumed, it used to be back in the day the home crowd was a advantage. It was a factor. Right. I watched so many teams come into L.A. and they look so comfortable. And I'm like, when you come out in the first quarter, you're supposed to set the tone. Right. Get the they crowd involved. And that is a non-factor. The L.A. crowd, yeah. everybody's just comfortable. 
come in and it's like everybody has a career night playing against the Lakers because if you watch Paul George podcast, even he said it. I love playing yeah. against the Lakers. I love it because I, I know they're not like, going to defend. It's like shooting practice, bro. You, you know, like the Rockets. I mean, they just get to get the ball and just comfortably raise into threes. It's just like they're NBA players. They're going to make those shots. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they don't close out because they're lazy. And then if they get – if the person puts the ball on the ground, they're lazy. So they don't – you know, they don't communicate. The Lakers don't talk on defense at all. None at whatsoever. all. Like they mm-hmm. don't talk on defense at all. And it's just like how how do you expect to win a championship if y'all don't talk on defense? Y'all don't talk exactly. on defense. Rotations are are, 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 are terrible. Um, if one person gets, for example, De'Aaron Fox, you know he want to get to that free throw line extended, and he's going to, you know, they're going to keep doing the same pick and roll so he can get to that spot and hit that J. Lakers never once sent a trap at it. Never. But, of course, the night when they played the Suns in the end-season tournament and I needed Booker to score one point, they were blitzing them every single play. <laughs> I was just like, ain't this about it. I ain't watched them blitz uh, 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 the ball handler at yeah. all since, like, at all. But that night, I needed Booker to get one more point, and they were they were they were blitzing the pick and roll at him to get the ball out of his hands. And I was like, "This is it's crazy, unbelievable." And after this, we can jump off here. That's why I, I tell our kids, like I said, they're third through fifth graders. But I tell them, I'm like, "Don't watch NBA basketball. Watch college. Please don't. Please watch don't. college, because for them, yeah. it's like they see their favorite players. They're running down the court, doing this and doing all that. And I get it for entertainment value." But if you're trying to learn how to play the game, yeah, that's not the best example because of everything that you just said. Nobody's rotating, nobody's helping, nobody's willing to sacrifice. And I'm just like, bro, once Braun, Curry, KD, and all them type of guys leave, you have no idea where the state of the NBA is going to be at. Man. It's, it's scary, man. And I love it's basketball scary. too much, man. I mean, there's the talent. The talent is there, but I just don't know if the, the, the. I, I just don't. I just don't know if the presence is really there. Like mm-hmm. you can say, okay, Shea is the future of the NBA. Do we really want Shea Gilgis Alexander to be the future of the NBA? Like he just. Right. I don't think he even wants that. It. You know, yeah. It's just different. It's just I like different. Shea though. Shea just hoops. Man. I do. I do too. He's a he just hooper. Hoops. That boy is a hooper. But I don't even think he wants to be. He just wants to get these nah. fits off, get these captions off, give you thirty-one a game, <laughs> and that's it. Yep. You know, that's it. So I tell you what, I ain't going to drag you down this rabbit hole. We'll save it for another day. But I think I saw a post the other night that you kind of alluded to Luca being better than D-Wade, man. I'm oh, rolling, bro. I, I don't know how I feel about rolling. that. I'm rolling. If I'm, playing, if I'm playing a game and I'm putting together a team and I got D-Wade or better scratch a game, if I'm putting together an organization – for the long run, and you're meaning to tell me that you're taking Dwayne Wade over Luka Doncic. I'm rolling with the Flash, bro. That is crazy to me. I'm rolling that with the Flash. Absolutely crazy to me. So you might you you taking him over Jokic too, right? I ain't gonna necessarily do that. Nah. I mean, I I can't like what what. Uh, I that's crazy. I just think I think Dwayne Wade Dwayne Wade to me is uh, Donovan Mitchell with championship rings. Oh. That's I can see it, though. Wax. I can see Put it. That on wax. I can see the comparisons, 
He's Donovan Mitchell with championship rings, bro. My my biggest Donovan Mitchell with the LeBron and uh, you. Cause I mean, D Wade has Shaq the first one. <laughs> he had LeBron for the, his final two. D Wade is Donovan Mitchell with the with the, with the the legendary players to help win championships. Sorry. The only reason why I'm pushing back is because it was a different brand of basketball. Like. Yeah, I'm I'm that. I'm not one of them people where it's like oh, scoring is up because they're not playing defense. I'm not gonna do Luca that way, but I yeah. will admit that D Wade was in that era where bro he had to sacrifice his body for thirty points. Man, I'm bro. watching dude score. I just that, watched Maxi. I just watched Maxi drop thirty in the first half like it was nothing. D Wade wasn't really a shooter like that. So that's he what I'm saying. That element of the league. Is gone, but that's preference, though. I mean, you can't knock the Luca because Luca can got a J when D Wade. That was just wasn't really his game. I watched Luca torch Atlanta Wade with a pick and high. roll right above the free throw line, and before you knew it, Luca was just getting floaters in the paint. It almost looked like nobody was even trying, and that's that's why I do give Luca credit because skill wise. He's that much more advanced, in my opinion, than everybody else in the league because he understands the game. And I feel like here in the United States, we're so caught up in highlight plays where everybody wants to Euro and do all that to make it harder. I'm like, you're making it harder on yourself to score two points where I can just watch Luca sidestep and just float it and get two. Both buckets count as two, but one kid is doing all this and that, and then Luca's just whoop, whoop, float. So – I think that's the difference between a D-Wade and a Luka because D-Wade had to do all of that. But that doesn't take away from – just because Luka's more talented and he can do it from every level of the court, that doesn't that doesn't make D-Wayne Wade a better player just because he had to do it one way. At least I don't feel it like Luka can do it everywhere. I watched I, Flash wheel the Miami Heat to a championship. I got to see Luka do that first. That. He had Pat Riley. I mean, he, come on, man. Like, that final series had, was beautiful. He had, a, he had a great series. Also, I think if you take that series away, what do you have? You have you don't really have much of anything. You got Donovan Mitchell with Shaq. You got Donovan Mitchell with LeBron, bro. That's it. A healthy D-Way was an animal. And that's another thing. We can't take his his injury history and, and kind of add that to what he did do and, and put him over a guy that can do all that he did and more and stay healthy. But I think I think we we get caught up in the numbers and we want to give people more credit than they deserve. And again, it's, it's no shade at Luca. Tangibles is what's what I can't I can't say, you know, hey, I'm I'm better at this podcast thing than, than Adrian is, but you know, you got a million views and I got ten, but I'm just subjectively better because I come up with better topics. Like you can't you gotta use the numbers, like you have to. Mm-hmm. And you just have you can't you can't exclude them. You have to go based on. I feel like every argument has to be eighty to ninety percent based on numbers, and then the rest right. of the ten percent can be subjective. But how many years ago was it that? Uh, how many years ago was it that Dallas beat the Clippers and uh, didn't they get to the Western Conference Finals? That wasn't too long ago, wasn't it? Uh, was it? Or was it the second round? And it was like Dallas beat the Dallas beat the Clippers in the playoffs. Hold on, was that the that that they was got the through the Clippers and then that's when they beat Phoenix, wasn't it? 
to get to the yeah, Western Conference Finals and they got swept. Yeah, yeah. And it was like you knew then it's like okay, Luca needs another piece. But it's yeah. like they haven't even remotely got back to that. And Mark Cuban and them have been doing everything in their power to put people around him. And that's what I'm that saying. Ky- that Kyrie, I-, I think we all knew that that Kyrie wasn't, that's pretty for the regular season, but I never once said, okay, yeah, Luka and Kyrie are going to win the finals. You got to have somebody notable inside. Like, you got to have at least a four that's, you know what I'm saying, can do, they really do the same, they do a lot of the same things. Uh, it causes for a lot of one-on-one basketball. We all know that that doesn't work in the playoffs. Like, yeah. That doesn't work in the playoffs. You and can't have why, two perimeter one-on-one guys, you know. That's why I feel bad for Kyrie. Out. I was like, bro, I don't care what anybody says. His career would be completely different if he stayed with LeBron. Never Facts. Like, it's been all Facts. downhill since then. Facts. No lie. But everybody wanted to, oh, yeah, LeBron must not be that great. Of a, blah, 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 blah. When he left, I'm like, all right. And nothing's worked out for it's Kyrie. It's been all nothing, downhill. Nothing has worked out. And I like Kyrie. That's probably one of my top five play, favorite players currently. I like Kyrie, but it's just he right. should have never left Cleveland. LeBron might even have more rings because together they were they they had the pieces and they could have yeah. kept stuff around. They had him and LeBron could have could have won more rings, but he wanted yeah. out. And that's another thing that other superstars we, we'll leave them unnamed didn't have to deal with. You know what I'm saying? But LeBron had to deal with okay, first finals, everybody hurt. Second finals, we win. Third and fourth finals. You know, my my Robin leaves, and then the other team gets one of the, if not the greatest player in the league at the time, added to an already explosive team. Nobody else had to deal with stuff like that. Facts. LeBron had to deal with it, and then that's why everything's worked out how it's worked out. Like he only has four rings. Who knows how many he'd have if if Kyrie hadn't asked out and uh, Katie hadn't did the softest thing in the history of free agency (laughs) and went to the Warriors. We don't know. We don't know. There you go. Other guys ain't have to deal with that. So that's my take on that. And that's where we'll leave it at, man. Great, great conversation, man. I really in, enjoyed this, man. We're going to have to do this more often, bro. Man, more often, bro. I'm, I'm always available, man. I, I can even pull up on you, too, because I'm, I'm deep in this card trade and stuff, and I know they got some things going on down there in Louisville I've seen. So you said card? To, yeah, cards, man. I'm, man I'm Look, I'll tell you what. I'm going to plug my guy uh, from Lexington, uh, Beckett Boss Cards. He's into that stuff, too. Okay. I'll send you his Instagram. He goes yeah. to different little shows and stuff and things like that. He's yep. been big into that. So, yeah, that's, most definitely. That's what I've been on. That's what I've been on. So I'm like, stuff. man, if I catch a little car show and pull up on my guys, do a podcast or something, you know, we'll I'm talk about it. it, though. Like I said, we got about two more weeks left. We got one regular season le- uh, regular season game left, and then it's the tournament. And it's like, okay, okay we haven't lost a regular season game yet. We lost in the Jamboree. Oh. Right now we we nine and one technically, but oh, okay. on the season we're undefeated. Right. Okay. So okay. this is three years I, in a row. We should have been going for a three peat, bro. And I ain't want to chip yet. I'm sick. Yeah, it's tough. Last tough. year we went undefeated, got all the way to the championship, and lost in overtime by two. Wow. Painful, dude. So it's like Man. we got the kids that can get it done. Hopefully this year we'll get over the hump. But after that. I'm I'm free, man. So we man, can we man. can definitely start chopping it up. As much as you have me, I'm I'm down. So so definitely, Whenever. like I said, appreciate your time, man. Y'all be sure to go follow and subscribe to the Epic Podcast. They are YouTube. They grinding. Great conversations. Um, y'all know the routine: like, share, subscribe. 
trying to get to a thousand subscribers. And tell a friend to tell a friend, man. And we out. Yes, sir. Ass toasted, no competition. I'm Nisha Coastal. I feel so high. I feel